Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley filling in for Tom today. I'm glad you're here on this beautiful, warm day in the Valley of the Sun. I'm going to be sharing a number of things with you, and then we've got a special guest that I'm expecting, Willie Nolte, who's the Mission Lead for Transformation Ministries, a network of churches that extends around the nation. Um, What's been on my heart lately? A couple of very significant things. Number one, obviously, we're in the presidential election time, and and there's a lot of passion. You just want to start an argument with somebody. All you got to do is say that you like one of the candidates or other, and people will tell you why they're not in such great folks. And what here's here's what I want to really recommend to you. Please be praying for our nation. Please be praying for our candidates. Let's not look at their imperfections. Let's ask the Lord to give us wise and righteous leaders. We need that. We need it. Uh, for our nation, there's a lot at stake. A lot of people's lives are going to be affected. But regardless who, of whoever's elected president, it, the scripture says that the kingdom of God rules over all. The kingdom of God. We serve the Lord who rules over the affairs of the governments. That doesn't mean that every decision that a government makes is what God wants. It simply means that there is a higher kingdom. There is a higher purpose in life. I remember going to a city council meeting one time and they were talking about, you know, parking spaces and, and setbacks and different things like that, which are all important for a uh, city to make sure that things are zoned properly. And, and I thought, you know, I am interested in politics, but I'm not at all interested in that. A lot of politics is very mundane stuff. It's just preserving public order. And God is interested in the order of our minds and hearts. That's why it's so important for us not to become great critics of one another. It's easy to spot the flaws in somebody. It's really hard to bring the solution. Um, I'm hoping that we're, we will be part of the solution in the body of Christ, that we'll be light and salt. I read a book uh, recently by Bill Johnson, and it's called the power that changes the world. And it's really about the kingdom of God. It's really about the reality that men and women of God who had major influence in history, men like Joseph in Egypt, Daniel in Babylon, woman like Esther, who uh, was part of the most powerful kingdom on earth when she was married to King Xerxes, they all found their positions of influence even though they weren't vested with power. A lot of times we're fooled into seeking power when in reality we should be seeking God who has power and he, with his wisdom, can give us influence. The The thing that the world needs, and, and whether people are rich or poor, they need wisdom, they need insight. And if we're the people who have wisdom and insight, then we're going to have influence. We're going to be able to serve them. We're going to be able to bless them. We're going to be able to make their lives better. And that is what we're here for. Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for all. So our goal is to find ways we can serve most effectively. And in this time, I believe our nation really needs wisdom and guidance. So Christ is in you. Let his light shine through you. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams Church. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley, and I'm glad to have you with us today. My guest in the studio is Willie Nolte. Willie is the leader of Transformation Ministries. We're going to find out about Transformation Ministries. It's a great name, a great theme, and a great movement of churches and leaders who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Willie, thanks so much for being with me today. Mark, thank you so much for making time for me, inviting me in. Well, hey, I want to I'm going to throw out a challenge to our listeners. You know that nowadays you'll hear people say things that I think are not too wise. They'll th- say things like, "Well, God's done with denominations. This is a new era. The Lord's doing a new thing." In my opinion, denominations at their best are like-minded believers knitting their lives together for the purpose of expanding God's kingdom, supporting one another, encouraging the work. It doesn't mean that if you're in one denomination and I'm in another one, that we're opposed, that we're divided, that we're anything other than just brothers on a mission. So what's your take? If somebody says to you, why are you leading a denomination of churches? That's a really good question, Mark. And, you know, a lot of times I you know try to say, well, we're not a denomination. We're denominational-ish. Mm-hmm. Right? What we do say is we are a covenanting association of churches. Yeah. And, you know, each one of those words is really, really important. Covenanting talks about, you know, the, the mutual commitment. Mm-hmm. Association talks about, you know, relationship and partnership. Mm-hmm. This is one thing I always say as I talk to folks. It never occurred to the first Christians, all right, all the way back in Acts, mm-hmm. right, the very first Christians or the first congregations, it never occurred to them to pursue the kingdom of God, the, you know, God's will for them by themselves. Right. They always understood that it, they it, they would be together, whether it was individuals and then congregations. They mm-hmm. always understood that they would uh, that they would uh, need to associate w- with one another to cooperate. Right. right? The Apostle Paul is going and establishing church after church after church and keeping those relationships. So I say uh, it's really not about having uh, an organization that we can get all. I, I don't bent out of shape might be mm-hmm. the wrong word, but it's not about having a. a a strict, stringent organization for its own sake. It's about pursuing what the church was created to be, which is preach the gospel, see communities transformed. And, and you just can't do that if you try to do it alone as right. a single congregation. Right. So really, uh, practically and theologically, biblically, this idea of associating together is, is I, I say, is God's plan. It's it is it God's done. plan. Yeah. We, we, 
we're born into the body of Christ. We're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. It is a body. It is a family. Now, not everybody recognizes one That's another. right. <laughs> not everybody appreciates, just sort of like any large family. Sure. You know, there's different uncles and aunts or some that are more at the core and others aren't. But the bottom line is it was Jesus' command for us to love one another. And if we love one another, then... There, it shouldn't be a deal breaker if you baptize somebody at a different time or if you have a different end time eschatology. Exactly. You know, whatever. So the, the 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 bottom line should be if Jesus Christ is our Lord, then we're brothers. Right. And isn't it true there is a sometimes a very, very long list. I call them non-salvation issues, mm-hmm. right? Right. How we think about the church, you know, the the fancy word is eschatology, right? right. How the church operates, uh, maybe some of the authority structures in the church. You talked about baptism, style, or, or so on and so on. I often say those are non-salvation issues. Right. The gospel is clear. We need Jesus. It was very clear. Uh, and stay to the gospel, allow each other the grace and the freedom to disagree on some things. That's all right. Yeah. So you're leading transformation. Give us the, the basic broad picture. How many churches are with you? How many different Mm -hmm. leaders are functioning in ministry? Thank you. Yeah, we are, like I said, a covenanting association of congregations. Mm -hmm. Right now, about 170 congregations, very diverse in terms of size, you know, large and small, also language groups and so on, really reflects where our congregations are. Uh, Many, or right now, most of our congregations are in Basically, Southern California, say mm-hmm. Bakersfield South, Arizona, mm-hmm. few in um, Las Vegas area. We also have growing clusters of congregations across the country, Dallas, Indianapolis, Florida. So um, our, our history was sort of uh, out of Southern California. That's kind yeah. of where we, yeah. we, we uh, were formed at least. Uh, really, we we are organized and staffed to serve churches. That's what we do. Our little tagline is more healthy churches, more changed lives. Amen. And I, it's the healthy church, the concept of a healthy church has been something that's motivated me for many years. Because if a, if a church is healthy, if the leadership of the church is healthy, then the disciples are going to be healthy. If the, and to me, to be healthy is to abide in Christ and obey his word. If we abide in Christ, Jesus said we're going to bear fruit. If we obey, obey his word, um, things are going to happen. The kingdom is going to come and his will is going to be done. We're going to love one another. We're going to share our faith. We're going to welcome people into the family of God. You know, and that's right. And, you know, part of our, I would say, a major focus that we have as a as an organization, a ministry, is to really focus on those leaders whom God has gifted and set apart. Mm-hmm. So our, I guess for lack of a better term, our primary target, if you will, is we really focus on the leaders of the congregations, mm-hmm. the pastors and staff first, because if those are godly, healthy, effective leaders, then God can use them to build godly, effective, healthy right. congregations, and the mission will move yeah. forward. So yeah. we really uh, have a very clear uh, focus on the, the leadership of congregations. What are some of the things you like to do to help leaders stay healthy? You know, we are uh, very focused. I, I like to say we are, we are leader-specific. And, and that, I think that's very important because no two leaders are the same. No, no two congregations are the same. So we have a specific uh, leadership or pastoral training 
conferences or meetings, Mm -hmm. one day, half day, two days. And the great thing about those is that they are often Mm leader-specific. So we have many uh, pastors who pastor smaller churches, 100 or less. So we have a conference, two-day conference, called the Mustard Seed, and it's Mm -hmm. very focused on what are the challenges in leading a a smaller congregation. We have congregations that are medium-sized, several Mm -hmm. hundred. Mm -hmm. That's a different uh, training. So we have right. training days and then we have very large churches. So we do leadership uh, mm-hmm. conferences and training. Mm-hmm. Very important for us, we have what we call pastor mentor groups. Mm-hmm. Every pastor is invited, encouraged, and given the opportunity to be a part of a smaller group convened by another pastor yep. called the pastor mentor on a regular basis, usually monthly basis. That's where the business gets taken care of most of the time. Well, that's critical. We Here in the Phoenix area, I'm part of a group with Al Els, and we do something called Pastors and Covenant, which is very similar, yes. where we are covenant to bless, to build, to encourage, to help one another. We meet together monthly, talk, pray, share our lives, talk about the trials, whether they be in the family or in the church, because pastors, like every other believer, need some uh, a safe place to share what's going on. And you need people that really know what's happening who can pray for you. And uh, to me, that's been a lifesaver over the years. It sure has. And I've been a pastor many years myself, uh, Mark, and, I, and that's right. I mean, where, where is that safe place? Mm-hmm. And where, do you, you know, where can you find that place uh, where you feel like people understand, others understand, and you can uh, be as vulnerable you know, as, as that safe place allows. So we're very, very, very committed to that personal care and relational context. That's wonderful. Willie, give us your background. Uh, when did you start following the Lord? Where did you grow up, go to school? Yeah. I grew up in a small little town in Ohio, a little town called Urbana, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people think of the Urbana Conference. In but, Illinois, right? That's right, but it's not that. It's the, it's the original Urbana, okay? Yeah. Small little Midwestern town, Central Western Ohio, you mm-hmm. know, 12,000 people. Um, and, you know, my passion for the local church today really is because I experienced it how it's supposed to be in that little town. Little church, not a big multiple staff, anything, nothing fancy, but a pastor who, and a church, people, lay people, mm-hmm. loved us, invested in us, made sure we got to camp and so on. I didn't realize a lot of those things were directed towards me as a child and mm-hmm. particularly as a teenager, but it, it's where I came to a place where I accepted Christ as Savior. And then I was, we didn't use the words in those days, but I was mentored and mm-hmm. coached. We used to laugh. The pastor would create jobs slash ministries for us young people to do. Now, as a pastor, I realize what he was doing. Yeah. So my passion for the church is is to have been blessed to experience church in a positive way. Yeah. You know, Mark, I was in a family like a lot of families. My family could not afford to send me to camp. Mm-hmm. I never missed camp. I didn't realize people in the church were paying for me to go to camp. Really? But I do now. Yeah. Somebody so, somebody loved Jesus enough to want to make sure that every kid had an opportunity. Yes. Yes. So I have this little saying I say now, even, you know, all these many years later, and, and even in our current staff, this, the saying is just get the kids to camp. In other right. words, do whatever you have to do. Mm-hmm to make uh, available uh, what people need and leaders and so on. You know, we had a, a little meeting with Bill Hybels a couple of years ago with a number of pastors here in the Valley. And uh, one of the things that Bill asked his board of elders for 
was a discretionary fund he calls Winds of the Spirit. And he said that any one of his staff members, and he used the example of a youth pastor, can come up to him and say, Bill, I've challenged the kids in our youth group to invite a friend to camp, and they've invited these friends, and half of them can't pay for it. Bill, what can I do? You know, and he goes, you're bringing unsaved kids to camp like you're supposed to. And he writes a check from his account because he's got those discretionary funds. If you you can empower your pastor just by giving him access to funds so that he can make sure that the kingdom ministries that need to be promoted are being promoted. Absolutely right. And that's simply investing in the lives of people, allowing Mm -hmm. God to do, you know, what, what God can do. And so I look back at that little church these many, many years later. I'm so grateful for them. Uh, my pastor, who was my pastor then, is still, you know, not in heaven yet. I'm actually a couple of weeks. I'm going to go see him Wonderful. and thank him one more time for what he, he did for me. And I've, I've grown up then as a, you know, through college and seminary and pastoring several churches. Where, where did you go to school? Went to uh, college at uh, Judson University, which mm-hmm. is out in Elgin, Illinois. Uh, nice, uh, cool little uh, Baptist, American Baptist uh, College University. Went to uh, Trinity Divinity School. Mm-hmm. And uh, did some work there. Went on to one uh, of the best seminaries around. Absolutely, and uh, then went on to uh, do a master of divinity and then a doctor of ministry at Western Seminary here on, on the West Coast. Wonderful. My guest is Willie Nolte. He is the mission lead for Transformation Ministries. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. This is Mark Buckley from Living Streams, and my guest is Willie Nolte from Transformation Ministries. Willie, you were telling us about your testimony. You were giving uh, some background, and and you went to Trinity Seminary, graduated from there. Tell us about your journey as a pastor. And, and what gave you a passion, besides your local church experience, what gave you a passion to want to do ministry? Because not everybody in a great church really wants to yeah, be a pastor. That's right. You know, uh, Early on in my, you know, education, maybe like a, a lot of people, I was in seminary, really appreciated, you know, Trinity Divinity School, of course, the, the uh, professors and all, and, you know, really loved teaching, thought I wanted mm-hmm. to teach, and, and so on and so on. Uh, but I also found at the same time, as I was getting involved in the local congregation, doing a little youth ministry out in the suburbs, mm-hmm. uh, getting involved in inner city ministry in Chicago, I realized that it kind of came to that point where if you're going to be a scholar, you know, you have to, it's a life commitment. Right. You, yeah. You can't really do both, you know? And so it's, to me, it really came down to a call to serve in the local church, uh, or that call to the scholarship, mm-hmm. uh, call if, if you will. And it, believe me, I'm not saying that pastors shouldn't be scholars and educated. I'm not saying that, but I realized that, uh, my love, my passion, my draw, what, what I really wanted to do, or maybe we could put it this way, what I could not do without mm-hmm. is involvement in the local congregation, the sort of those 
you know, you, you know you have to do it sort right. of thing. Well, that, that I am the same way. To me, you have to be a doer of the word. And Jesus said, if you love me, take care of my sheep, yeah. feed my, yeah. take care of my lambs, feed my sheep. And, and so you, it, I could never just be a teacher of it if I'm not actually doing it, you know. Yeah, just wouldn't. And again, you know, you were you know a student back back in the day too. We were both maybe last century, I guess. Right? Yep. <laughs> there were some. I thought there were some great models teachers I had that I that were you know involved in their local congregation. But but a lot of times, you know, the scholars, it's just such a thin slice. Yeah, I felt they just really weren't in touch. Yeah, necessarily. Um, Right. What What is important is what works in the real world. I mean, to me, every takeaway from every sermon is, is how is this supposed to work right. in my life? Yes. How is this supposed to make somebody a more effective disciple, a better husband, better father? Um, uh, how, how are they going to fall in love with Jesus more so they want to share him with other people? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, in, in addition to that, uh, I shared a little bit about, you know, my little home church there. But I also discovered, you know, God's gracious sovereignty in my life that as a young pastor, um, you know, doing youth ministry first. And then even as a young senior pastor, you know, in my 20s, uh, always I had the, the blessing of having an older pastor leader who uh, was alongside me, who believed in me, gave me permission, trusted me. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's not like I necessarily recognized it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but afterwards it's I saw it. a tremendous benefit. Absolutely. Not everybody has that. Exactly. And what a blessing. And so, again, I think feeding into my passion now is that, you know, as we go along our own leadership journey, I want to make sure I am that person to the next generation, yeah. When I was in that generation. And so it's really what drives me to want to serve pastors and leaders uh, of every age, but it's specifically the next generations that are, that are coming. So what are some of the hard things that were challenging for you as a pastor of a local church? You know, as a pastor, I think uh, in two of our pastorates, there were situations where the church was, you know, off mission. Mm-hmm. You know, comfortable, but not really growing, not vital, um, not frantic, but really not excited yeah. about the gospel. And so there's a lot of challenge as a pastor. You know, uh, people can say whatever they want, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, most people, if they're comfortable, they just want to stay comfortable. Yeah. So That's the, human nature. Yeah, it's human nature. Exactly right. And guess what? Human nature spills right into the local congregation. Yeah. So a lot of the challenges for a pastor is to really be a pastor leader. Mm-hmm. You know, not to be a pastor for the status quo, but to ignite the vision and passion for people to see how, for instance, how we could serve the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to recognize that churches by nature, again, will become more inward focused, mm-hmm. more concerned about us than outward focused. That's probably, if there's one consistent challenge I think all pastors have, I know I did, is to... Uh, is to help lead the people to keep the right perspective on a world that needs Jesus. Yeah. What if, what if it's not all about us? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It seems like someone put that in a book, right? Right. Right. <laughs> so you served in many different congregations mm-hmm. and then you accepted the call to TM. What is the big challenge of leading a group of pastors and churches that are in covenant together? Yeah. 
And, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful that I, I say this often. I, I, I believe that I still think like a pastor, mm-hmm. and I want to. I can't serve pastors if I don't know what they're going through, so I'm grateful for that. Um, I, I joke, I often joke that I never wanted to be anything but a pastor. It's mm-hmm. my passion. So I wasn't looking for the job. The job was looking for me mm-hmm. sort of thing. It took a long time of prayer and discernment with my wife and myself to be convinced to to come and join the ministry. But at the end of the day, realizing that this is a ministry that exists to train, support, and encourage pastors to be effective. I know what it feels like to receive that mm-hmm. or not receive it. My job, if you will, my ministry is to make sure pastors receive it. So the big challenge is it's a huge, diverse group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mentioning we have pastors who pastor 30, mm-hmm. pastors who pastor 12,000, yeah. people in the inner city, people yeah. in the country. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the challenge is to find how do you best, most effectively serve a very diverse group uh, of leaders. That's a big challenge. Um, and, you know, we're, we, we're, we don't have a huge staff. Right. We have 170 churches spread across the country, and so... It's tough to get around. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, I mean, bet. literally, physically, you know, to cover the bases. Speaking of getting around, you guys are going to host a conference right here in the Valley in we October. Are. Can you want to tell us about that? Yes, thank you. We we have an annual conference. It's called the Transforming Churches Conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really our annual celebration in many ways. It's uh, very focused on, you know, celebration and motivation, but also training and equipping. This year, it's uh, going to be right here in the Phoenix area, actually in Mesa. Mm-hmm. And it's called the REACH conference. And again, the idea is that the church exists to reach people. We have to yeah. do whatever we have to do to reach people, right? That's what scripture says, First Corinthians 9. So it's coming up this fall in October 20th and 21st. It's a two-day, mm-hmm. like a Thursday, Friday conference mm-hmm. uh, right over here in Mesa at Trinity uh, Church in Mesa. And, uh, and, and so it's a real privilege for us to bring this who, who are some of the speakers and leadership? Fine, got? fine conference. Uh, uh, we've we've got Sean McDowell coming to really talk about how do you reach people. As many people may know, he really does a lot of work in reaching the next generations and apologetics. Uh, uh, Albert Tate, just one of the most fantastic communicators in the country and world today. Um, we've we've got uh, Mike Bro uh, f- uh, from the Chicago area or Illinois area. Just a fantastic communicator, uh, Jenny Catrone, a fantastic uh, leadership coach and author. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, we have several uh, excellent facilitators and leaders that are on various uh, tracks to help equip and encourage leaders and churches in some of the issues that, uh, that churches face, how to reach people how to reach uh, women or men, uh, what, what about prayer in the church? What about some of the social issues mm-hmm. that churches face? And so we have very uh, a, a focused approach on these uh, conversations. And so how does that. somebody find out more about the conference if they're You know interested? what? It's all right on our website, and, uh, and the website is, uh, of course, www.transmen, that's T-R-A-N-S-M-I-N, transmen.org. Mm-hmm. You go to that website. There's a big banner at the top that says reach. Mm-hmm. You know, you click on that and then boom, you're into it. Transmen.org. Short for Transformation Ministry. So, and everybody, it's open to anybody. Open to anyone at all. And uh, obviously we're, we are sponsoring it, but it's not a, just a TM conference. Right. It's a conference for leaders. It's a conference for the church. That's really what we're excited to bring it to the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. 
and you know this, you're from here, Mark, there's so many phenomenal leaders and congregations here. So much potential. Continue to grow in this Mm -hmm. area. So we're very excited to bring this very, very fine conference for churches and leaders right right here to the Phoenix area. Wonderful. So you were also with Growing Healthy Local Churches, right? Yes. What are some of the things you learned from that organization that you wanted to bring into TM? You know, probably the biggest thing is is that I I was a pastor Mm -hmm. there in, in that organization, for almost 30 years. And I just... What, what city or what uh, city? We, we pastored in Fresno, up mm-hmm. in Fresno, California, there for 16 years. A fantastic ministry there. We were in Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. We went from Santa Cruz to Fresno. So think that, about that's it. That's yeah, not yeah. the fun transition. Yeah, you know? You know, I'm that, from Marin County, so okay, yeah. I, that's like Marin County to Phoenix. Yeah, I was you know? just going to say. You, know, you, so don't, you don't get a lot of people saying, I, I really wish I could yeah, join yeah, you down Yeah, like what were you thinking sort yeah, of thing. Right. And then we also pastored up in the East Bay area, mm-hmm. San Francisco Bay area. So, um, you know, what I discovered there for many of my years, mm-hmm. not all, but many of the years, is that that organization invested heavily in pastor leaders. Mm-hmm. I remember one thing, a time they said, hey, you can take uh, as many people as you want to a particular leadership conference. I think it was John Maxwell or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I took them at their word. I rented a tour bus and filled it up. Did you really? And sent them the bill. And they Wonderful. were like, okay, it's worth Wonderful. it. It's an investment. Yeah. That's one of the things I learned. Uh, yeah, to, to, so let's, be, let's really invest in these do leaders. Do it. And be serious about it. A lot of was, um, uh, it, there was not a lot of and I mean this only in the best way, not a lot of hand-holding, like, mm-hmm. okay, okay. It, it was very focused on grow as a leader, be a godly, effective leader. The mission of the church is so important, and your role as a pastor leader is so important. Don't take it for granted. Don't be lazy. Grow, equip, you know, get yourself equipped and connected. A very uh, in, encouragement to sort of be a self-feeder Well, I think thing. that's a really good word. I was talking to a surgeon in our church who has just retired, right? And I said, okay, your biggest challenge now is going to be to have discipline every single day to put into your schedule things that are good for you. You know, you need to have time with the Lord. You need to get some exercise. You need to maybe do a little writing. You you know, and and that's what a pastor has to do. You have, nobody's telling us how to structure our time. If we're going to be fruitful, we have to build things into our lives that, really help us become fruitful. Stay tuned. We're uh, talking with Willie Nolte from Transformation Ministries, and I'll be right back after these messages. Back to Koinonia. I'm Mark Buckley. I'm talking with Willie Nolte. Willie oversees the Transformation Ministries, and um, he's got a lot going on, including a special conference coming up in May, which we're going to tell you more about. I mean, in October, we'll tell you more about in a little bit. Um, Willie, who have been some of the mentors in your life, both uh, in a personal basis and also um, maybe guys that you've just listened to their 
uh, messages or read their books that, yeah. that have really molded and shaped you. Yeah. Um, you know, in my personal life, uh, I, my, my pastor growing up, is, is, his name is uh, Cliff Kissinger, Pastor Kissinger. We called him Reverend K. Uh-huh. Uh, I mentioned this a couple times, but uh, if, if I have a, a model uh, of what an effective pastor is and effective pastor, he's the man. Yeah. You know, so I so many times over the years I've kind of harkened back. Uh, so that was really important. When I was a you know, young pastor, uh, I had le- senior pastors, older men mm-hmm. who uh, really, I mentioned this before, also uh, loved me and, and trusted me. Paul Ratcliffe was one of them. He's in heaven now. Uh, but I, I, like I said, I, I've had, you know, a, a wonderful experience of having men who believed in me. Yeah. And I guess now maybe smiled and smirked a little bit at what I was doing, uh, but but believed in me. So You know, let me, I just want to um, dovetail on that for just a moment. Um, I, I When I teach, sometimes I'll ask people who have, who has had the most significant spiritual influence in your life? And time after time, it's a faithful mother or a grandmother or a youth leader or a pastor. It's almost never a really famous person, right? Yeah. And yet, for some reason, we push ourselves to try and become famous for Jesus' yeah. sake. Sure. And sure. in reality, um, the people that are famous, I mean, they can have a, a great influence, but it's usually a minimal influence on many people. But people who are faithful in Christ and really do the work of the ministry and love on those disciples and, and equip them and, and open doors for them, like you said, help somebody who believes in you, those are the people that really transform our lives. That's true. That's true. And, you know, and it's also true as a leader and a pastor, you know, we, I've had the benefit, as have you, Mark, to be in an era of, you know, the, the Rick Warrens of the world and, and the Bill Hybels and Andy Stanleys, and, and they have had profound impact on, on me and, and so many other leaders in the very best yeah. ways, uh, because these, these are some men who are obviously super gifted leaders, but if you peel back that and listen to their heart. I'll never remember. I saw Bill Hybels on a, I don't know, ABC 2020 or something like that. And, you know, he, he, he tears up every time he talks about lost people. Yeah. And, and so I've had the benefit. I don't know these guys personally. And, and yet I've, I've benefited from what they've been able to bring to leadership Mm -hmm. and to the church uh, in America and around the world. And, it, it's been a wonderful, and it is a wonderful time uh, to, that God has, has lifted up some very, very influential leaders that we can uh, benefit from. Yeah. And God lifts them up, and we should bless them. And we you ought know, to. Because uh, they're, they're under attack. And one of the things that makes me really sad is that guys like Rick Warren have whole websites and and people dedicating their lives to attacking them yeah, and finding just, fault with them, which is such a shame because the bottom line that Jesus said is that we're commanded to love one another, commanded to love one another, rather than find the one area of doctrine we disagree with and focus on that. We're called to build each other and encourage each other. And yeah, we can call somebody out if something's really unhealthy, but Still, we're called to love one another, even in all that. Absolutely. And the world watches us when we do that. And that surely must grieve the heart of God. 
yeah to to yeah. see his people uh do those sorts of things so god forgive me and you or any of us who accidentally do that and give us courage to speak out when we see it <laughs> so i i started the program before you showed up um uh, by asking our listeners to pray for our country right now. Yeah, we yeah. have a, some political challenges. Sure do, and yeah. um, w- what would you tell a young person who's saying, I don't even know who to vote for right now? Yeah. You know, I, I, I have appreciated a couple of – I've seen it on Facebook, a couple of different places, that uh, every once in a while you'll see a, a post where someone says, okay – uh, just remember, relax and remember, mm-hmm. you're scaring the children. God is still in control. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so I, I don't think that, on the one hand, uh, Mark, I don't think it's being escapist at all to, to say that at, in the end, God is in control. Right. And I do think that's a legitimate thing to say. Well, the kingdom of God rules over all. So in one sense, the kingdom is more of a, a eternal established dynamic than the Republicans or Democrats ever will be. It, it truly is. I, I think that uh, we may have some opportunities to be the church in ways that we haven't mm-hmm. for a while in terms of, of grace uh, and graciousness mm-hmm. and pursuing uh, as a communities of faith what God would have us do that may be against some of the political positions or the political people. Yeah. Um, well, I, let me let me mention something with, along those lines. I think that uh, a lot of believers have been caught up in being critics. They've been caught up in finding fault because they don't agree with President Obama or prior to him, uh, George Bush or whatever. And if you become a, a critic, it be, you turn into a cynic, and after a while, you sure. become somebody that can be deceived by a spirit of anger and things can deteriorate. We're called to honor the leaders, whoever they are, regardless of their political persuasion and the things we disagree with, because they're the captain of this natural team called the USA. They are. And, you know, don't you love, I love to remember every once in a while, you know, God, you know, the, in the whirlwind, God speaks to Job and says, look, if you could actually see what was really going on here, you couldn't handle it anyway. Yeah. Every once in a while, we need to step back and say it's, it's a much bigger picture, and the sovereign God of the universe mm-hmm. is actually not surprised by this. Right. So I guess maybe my prayer is that as an individual, I, I will be Christ-honoring. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about how you, as a pastor of the many years, Mark, I— I got some great advice from older, some older pastors whom I greatly respect early on as a young pastor. And they said, don't ever use your pulpit as a, as a political uh, uh, weapon. Just yeah. don't yeah. do it. Yeah. I've tried not to do that. Yeah, um, and yeah because you totally limit your ministry. You, you so mean. do. You know, I've lost some people who, you know, were angry at me because I wouldn't yes, exactly. tell everybody how to vote or right, so right. what. I'm just not going to do it. Um, it doesn't mean we don't have strong convictions. Um, I, but I believe we, I, like I said, I think we have an opportunity to do something profound as believers mm-hmm. in this horrible us versus them yeah. thing that's going on right now. Amen. So, Willie, you've been following Jesus almost 50 years how do you keep yourself spiritually fresh? What kind of personal discipline do you have to keep growing in the Lord? Since you've read the Bible cover to cover sure, many times. Sure. You know, and that's such a great question. I, I often joke. In fact, I was preaching somewhere yesterday in California, and I was joking to the people and saying, you know, look, I'm a professional. This is what I do. They pay mm-hmm. me to talk and so on. And and I think that's one of the things, uh, the longer we follow the Lord, we, we have to realize that uh, 
it can become routine. So number one, um, I, uh, I have a discipline. I do have a discipline. Actually, in these later years, the last several years of uh, early, early morning quiet time, mm-hmm. everybody has a different pattern. I'm not right. prescribing what you should do. But I discovered that I needed to. That's what's to, best for you. Huh? Yeah, for me. And, and uh, it's not a big programmed heavy thing, but it is a discipline and it's a time. You know, prayer, meditation, some scripture reading. And, mm-hmm. and what I ask is that God c- continue to show me something new and fresh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as a teacher or a preacher, we're always tempted. Everything I read, I say, well, how am I going to preach this? Right. How am I going to teach this? There must be an outline. And I say, God, please don't show me any outlines. Mm -hmm. Just show me your word. Give me your word today. So it's a a prayer, a disciplined prayer that God will continue to show me something new and fresh. Maybe another thing, it's a practical life situation thing for me. I have grandkids now. Oh, yeah. Well, tell us about your family. You ah, you How know, long have you been married? I've been married 30, let's see, 37 years. Congratulations. Have four children, ages uh, 19 to 32. Have four four grandchildren. Congratulations. And, you know, there's something about that next generation that comes along yeah. that gives that spark of, of life and spirit and joy. Um, and, you know, for, for me, that's just, I just, I... I just naturally thank the Lord when I see those little ones. They're all yeah. little. The oldest one's yeah. seven. They're seven and below. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's just a life stage thing for me. It keeps yeah. me fresh I th- because it reminds me how good that God is. Really. Yeah, and life's going quickly, isn't it? Because well, you, yeah. you remember your grandparents. And <laughs> I do. They looked old to you, didn't they? I do. They sure like They seemed so old back then, didn't yeah. they? <laughs> we are them. <laughs> yeah, we have become them. Yeah. So, Willie, tell us again about the conference in case somebody turned in, tuned in lately. Sure. Yes, the conference is called the Reach Conference and uh, sponsored by TM Transformation Ministries. It's coming this October twenty. And 21, that's a Thursday, Friday. It's at Trinity Church in Mesa. Uh, fantastic leadership conference and uh, great speakers. And it, it just go to our website, transmen, T-R-A-N-S-M-I-N, transmen.org. There's a big banner that says reach right there. Mm-hmm. Click on the banner. You get bios of the speakers, the schedule, the registration, everything that you need there. We're very excited to bring this conference, a national uh, conference to Phoenix. So if you were asked to do a radio program that spoke to the whole nation um, and you had a couple minutes to do so, what would you say? Uh, just generally, openly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can speak on whatever you want. You know what? This is what I would say, uh, and, I, and I would speak out of my experience as a pastor of a local church. Mm-hmm. I believe not only that the local church is, is the hope of the world, but I, I believe also very practically speaking I believe that God intends the local church to be a transformative and transforming presence for the good of this world, Mm -hmm. starting in neighborhoods, starting with families, Mm -hmm. making a difference in schools, which makes a difference in our communities. And Mm -hmm. and I would speak and and I would say to to the country that, you know, the church uh, literally has been created by God under the lordship and headship of Christ actually to bring good and goodwill to, to this world. And and I would say that's just not do-goodism or feel-goodism. I'm not compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I would say that the church exists to bring value, gospel value, and that makes a difference in the lives of people, families, communities, 
and the world. Amen and amen. The church is the family of God, the household of the living God. And I hope that you've got one that you are part of. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Stream. Stay tuned. We'll be back to wrap up the program after these messages. Welcome back to Koinonia. My guest has been Willie Nolte. I've enjoyed this visit very much, Willie. Uh, you've been married 37 years. You've got a, a, a wife who stayed by your side, and you've got children, grandchildren, a fruitful legacy. What's a tip for having a good marriage? Because um, a lot of people struggle in their marriages. You know, first thing I would say, and my wife would tell, you to, tell me to say this, listen to your wife. Yeah. You know, that's, there's, a, there's a deeper part of that, and that is uh, of respecting and honoring your spouse, making sure you're listening and honoring them. Uh, my wife, Joy, and I, we've, we've also made, made it a point to, to make sure we, we have fun. We laugh. Mm-hmm. We have fun. We try not to take uh, ourselves or life too seriously mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and realize that we're, we're in this thing together. So, you know, listen and, you know, make it a priority. Uh, if your spouse is not a priority in your life, even above your job, mm-hmm. that's a problem waiting to happen. Yeah. It surely is. I, I love that, Willie, because, um, you know, the Scripture says God created a woman to be a helpmate. And if you don't receive your wife, it's not just help with the dishes and the diapers. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's help knowing God. Yes, it's help absolutely. discerning people. It's help. Um, discovering the kingdom. She's supposed to help you if you're not yeah. receiving her. You know, if you shut her down, if you think you've got to control everything, then uh, you miss the very purpose of the creation. Absolutely. And even as a pastor, I've often said, you know, I'm married to one of the best leader, pastor leader types uh, mm-hmm. uh, in a woman's body that I've ever known. And so just to love, respect, and appreciate that God was good to bring me that partner. Well, thanks, Willie. God bless you. Thank you. God bless Transformation Ministries as well. God bless your ministry, Mark. Thank you. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. If you ever want to visit us, we're on the corner of Central and Glendale, Sunday mornings, 9, 15, and 11. Uh, You can look us up on the web at livingstreams.org or go to Transformation Ministries, Trans... Formation Ministries. I forgot the website. Transmen. Transmen.org. Thanks for being with us today. God bless you. May this be a special day for you and the Lord.